I prefer to use printed paper because when I use my iPad, sometimes it doesn't stay open for me and I can't see my bolded stuff. So I just wanted to tell you about my personal challenges before I start tonight. <laughs> <clears throat> I have loved um, what Eric and Camille have been speaking about. Because revelation, if you don't have revelation, um, you know how some people come to church and they like, when they walk in, they punch time clock. I showed up a little bit late, but hey, nobody's docking my pay. And then they go on in, they sit down. <laughs> Ain't got nothing, I mean, they're just sitting there and then service is over, another day at work, and punch out. And that's all you have if you don't have revelation. When you begin to get revelation, all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, I got a daddy. And my daddy God loves me, I'm his favorite, it says there's no partiality, but it doesn't say there's no favoritism. No, I'm joking. But he loves me and he has secrets for just me. I'm not an accident. I'm not a almost an abortion. No, no. He created and designed me before the beginning of the world. Before I ever was a thought in my mother or father's eyes towards each other, there was a purpose for my life. And so he has that for you tonight. You have to have revelation. You have to break off shame. But that is very challenging to do if you don't build your foundation for transformation. So I'm gonna take the scriptures that Camille uh, used last week. I love that story about the woman at the well. I relate to that because uh, she lived a life of immorality. And although I was in the church for many years, I lived a life of immorality as well. And God set me free much the same way that he gave her freedom. So I want to share some verses with you tonight from John 4, 4 through 42. I was trying to figure out, okay, don't you hate it when people get up and read like, that would be 38 scriptures straight through? Me too. I was trying to decide, okay, I could have five people get up. And then maybe that would, and I'm like, no, I won't, people will be zoning out. So I'm going to break this up and we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to make it real for you. So John 4, uh, 4, and I'm reading from the New International Version. I have threatened to write a ghetto version yeah. lately. I have. Yeah. Esther Narcissian, are you here tonight? Esther Narcissian? Okay, she's one of my beloved people, and uh, she said this week on her status on Facebook, I just hate it, something like, I hate it when people who want to live negatively, they think that they can just put all their negative words in your environment, and I don't want to make them feel bad, and so I don't really know what to say, and I put a comment, just because your nose is running doesn't mean you get to wipe it on my sweater. <laughs> Hashmark ghetto version. And so, and I'm sorry, if you came for a classy guy, Eric will be speaking next week. So please come back. If this is your first time, I promise you, there's a guy who also speaks here. He has hair. He's much younger. And he's classy. Although I have kind of influenced him over the years. So 
He does fall from grace uh, occasionally, but he's classier than I am. Let's just say it that way. Camille, on the other hand, she and I are in the same category. <laughs> right, you actually have more ghetto stuff than I do. So if you want to know what that means, check out the podcast, epiclifeonline.com. You can pick up the podcast and you'll understand exactly what I was talking about. All right, John 4.4. 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. This is Jesus. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. I like all the little details. If, you don't, if you're not careful, you'll read through the Bible and you'll just miss everything that God's really trying to say. But it tells you it was just the two of them together. And in case you don't know it, Samaria was like, you know, it was just a racial class that you didn't really, you didn't really want to have anything to do with. Uh, Jews would actually go clear around Samaria to keep from contaminating themselves. So not only does Jesus go through Samaria, which tells you a little bit about him, he sits down at the well and he's cool when this lady comes up. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I want to encourage you tonight to believe that God wants to be intimate with you. And that sounds very simple. It is not. Because when we first come to the Lord, for some of us, like myself, um, I wasn't like, so I actually grew up in the church. My dad was a preacher, but I kind of went my own way at a, about 12 with the help of a few folks in my life. And um, I, I did not live a, a very moral, good life. Um, so whenever God would try to woo me, because he's always reaching out to you. If you have thoughts in your mind that you're not good enough, or you need to fix this before God really is going to be interested in you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because God created you. You are not an accident. So I would always like, feel like God wasn't interested in me. I had to believe that he wanted to be intimate with me before I could accept what he was trying to give me. And I want to encourage you tonight. Some of you may not know the Lord as your personal Savior, which means you've asked him to come into your heart and you've asked his blood to cover your sins. Some of you may have walked with the Lord for a period of time and you're like, wow, I suck at this Christian stuff because I really like to go party and drink and I actually like to sleep around a little on the side too. You know, the friends with benefits things. So, and then some of you may even be leaders because for us all as Christians, the enemy is forever harassing you. You do, you are in warfare from the time you accept Christ you're in warfare. But God loves you. And so as, sometimes as leaders, we start shutting down. We start putting, I'm, I am a leader. 
you know. I don't believe everything that everybody says about me. I don't. Because not all of it's true. I don't believe all my press. But I listen to my daddy God and everything he tells me is true about myself and that's pretty good stuff. I'm into. Believe that God wants to be intimate with you. This precious woman, she ignored Jesus reaching out to her. She goes, all she was aware of is, I'm a Samaritan, and I know that you Jews are racial. And she actually had more information that she thought he didn't know, so she's like pushing back. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you'd ask him. She didn't. I was actually told once by the person who discipled me at the beginning of my ministry, if you ever share the truth about your testimony, you'll never be allowed to minister. So I was like, oh, okay. Let me keep my little sex addiction to myself. And that's what I did. And it grew. And I was a Christian. Why? Because it was a secret. All my struggles were a secret back then. That changed. And I actually, God amazingly still uses even me. Verse 11, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Listen for revelation. She wasn't listening. Because Jesus is going, you have intimacy with God. It's totally available to you. And like so many of us, me included, we're like, hey, you mean I wouldn't have to walk all the way down here at noon to avoid all the church ladies in this heat? Wow, that's awesome. Where can I get some of that water? Jesus wasn't even talking to her about that kind of water. So right now, I just, I break the deaf and dumb spirit off you. Oh, the spirit that loves to keep you from hearing because you have a daddy God who wants to give you revelation. Eric's been preaching about it for weeks and it's amazing, but it's, it will not change your life if you don't believe that he wants to be intimate with you and then you listen when your daddy talks. Now watch what Jesus does. And I love this about him. He's such a crack up. He's like, <laughs> the woman, you know, he tells her, you can, be, you can have intimacy with God and you can just hear the angels rustling and the wings and it's almost time for the altar call. And she's like, she gets it, doesn't she? Sir, give me this water so I don't have to come here anymore. And Jesus goes, aw. 
So he takes it just a step further, because if you don't want to get it up at this level, he'll bring it down to you. He gets into her personal business. Verse 16, he said, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she said. Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. That's how some of us felt when we first started coming around, and people would have these words of prophecy or words of knowledge, and they walk up to you. We used to have this at this small group I had in my home for a long time called Brigade. I had a guy there, and I had two girls pray for him, and they both were like drunk in the spirit. If you've never seen that, it's very funny to watch. Um, it's awesome to experience, but it makes you feel really stupid because they were laughing really hard and they were like full of joy. And then they would put their hands on him and start prophesying. And as they did that, they told him his business. It wasn't, it didn't, they didn't tell any secrets. It was nothing to embarrass him, but they told him enough that he comes to me afterwards and he goes, did you tell them my business? I'm like, no, dude, that's the Holy Spirit. I'd suggest you listen. That's what Jesus did with her. Listen to what she does. She goes, sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Isn't she quick? Jesus goes, excuse me. You've had five husbands and the guy you're with now is not your husband. And she's like, wow, um, I can see that you're a prophet. That's bright. And then she starts talking about religion. Church talk, what's that worth? Zero. I wanna encourage you, love truth. I know you wonder, do I not remember? That was one of my bullets the last time I spoke. Well, you might as well get used to that bullet because that's probably going to be one of my bullets the next time I speak. Because if you don't love truth, and let me tell you what truth is. Truth is like I showed my sermon to one of the guys that I live with, Shaddy. I'll just say his name. And he goes, oh, he said a couple things and they weren't quite right. But he said one thing that was really true. All my bullets were like, they sounded so good. But they were like 15 words long. And it didn't tell you what to do to build a foundation. I was like, oh, I really didn't care for it at first. I was like, look, I didn't ask you to rewrite my sermon. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. And I was about that sweet. <laughs> then I got to reading it and I was like, oh, better look stupid in private than stupid in public. <laughs> Let me encourage you, when someone comes to you privately and is protecting your heart 
and is protecting your reputation and is going, I, because, I mean, what did he get out of it? Nothing. I wasn't even grateful. <laughs> but when the Holy Spirit brings it to you in private, let me warn you, you can deal with it in private or you can look stupid in public. I prefer private. <laughs> Love truth. Because truth is very practical. The word says that you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And everybody goes, that's such a great verse. Really? Do you know how much truth I get to deal with on a daily basis? That was just one of my appointments. Because if you're gonna go anywhere in the kingdom, if your life is gonna have any substance, guys, if you're gonna leave a legacy and all of you should have that dream, every single one of you should be asking God, what's the legacy I'm gonna leave with my life? And if it sounds like I'm talking to you and you feel like that's fake, you just don't know who you are yet. Keep coming around because every single one of us was born to leave a legacy. And it doesn't matter, it doesn't even matter what, you're, what you did yesterday, it doesn't matter what you're struggling with today, you were created to leave a legacy because your daddy is God. He was not confused when he made you. So I just encourage you, ask, your, ask the father, how, what is the legacy I'm supposed to leave? But the only way you can truly do that is to face a lot of truth. It gets in your business. If you don't have anybody in your life, who's in your business, get smart. Because you're dumb right now. <laughs> it's just dumb to not have anybody who knows your stuff. I have like six people who know my stuff because I got so much stuff. <laughs> but some of y'all are probably better than me. Let's hope. Jesus gave her an opportunity to authentically talk about the facts of her life, but she answers it with church talk. The word that Saul, Saul did not read what I was gonna talk about. The word he gave you is so true. Open your life up. Open yourself. Come in here as a son or a daughter because a confident son or daughter goes, here's who I am. Orphans are like this. I, it's always interesting to watch people in worship because this is how orphans worship. just looking around because you're so afraid of who, what people are going to think about you. Sons and daughters, they don't even care because your relationship with a father demands that you just give him adoration. You give him worship. Okay. So our bullets are believe that God wants to be intimate with you. Listen for revelation and love truth. Verse 21, Jesus said, and I think this is so funny. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews, which was him. Yet a time is coming, and this is the important part, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in Spirit and in truth. 
that's one of those verses that you're like, wow, I know that's good. <laughs> Could you say that again? Let me say it in the Message Bible. One day I may have it in the ghetto version, but for today, true worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. It's who you are and the way that you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. That's why whenever we worship, there's so much power in that. And worship is so much more than just what we do up front. All of your life is worship. We don't get that when we're young in the Lord. But in case you haven't gotten that, worship is so much more than that. But when they're leading me up here, it doesn't even matter who it is. I just shut you guys out. And sometimes like, because I'm the administrative side of things, you'll see me texting. Don't think for a moment I'm not worshiping. Because as soon as I'm done with the text, I'm not thinking about it. Because I have amazing leaders, a bunch of them. So if I get a text and it's something that's a problem, I tell them, I give them my input and I'm right back in worship. Sometimes whenever, like tonight, Amber was singing over us in worship, we don't know what to do when somebody's singing and we can't sing along. We're like, um, I'd like to be doing something, but uh, some of these people, they look lost. Uh, I don't know. Um, what she's doing is singing prophetically over you. And prophecy foretells either who you are or where you're going. So when someone's singing prophetically over you, rather than like, mm, just stand there and quiet yourself. A lot of us don't have any friends that we're with sometimes and don't talk. If you don't have any friends that you're never silent with, Ask the Holy Spirit to help you learn what intimacy is like. Because it's so powerful to have a friend that you're with. You don't have to say anything and you can look at each other and enjoy just being there. That's what worship is about. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being their spirits, their true selves, and adoration. So when I worship, I'm not thinking about how I blew it yesterday. I refuse to. And if the enemy starts coming at me with all these thoughts, because he loves to harass you if you will let him. I ask the Holy Spirit to send his light and fire to burn anything that's speaking to me that shouldn't be speaking. And then I go right on. You best leave me alone during worship if you're a demonic spirit. I didn't want you to be afraid to walk up to me during worship. <laughs> the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. And she still doesn't get it. Realize your daddy God knows when you don't get it. 
It doesn't change his opinion of you. Jesus didn't slap her on the back of the head and go, listen, one more time like that, I can make you disappear. Don't think I can't. No, he just keeps interacting with her. That's how he is with you, you guys. When you come in here and Eric preaches something and it's over your head or you disagree, that's all right. It's okay. If I preach something and it ticks you off and makes you mad, that's okay. If Camille tells her jokes and you're like, hadn't ought to do that in church, you know, that's okay. God's still working with all of us. He's so patient with you just like he was with her. I love Jesus because Jesus shows us what God was like. So if you're not reading the Bible and you don't know where to start, start in the gospels and watch what Jesus does because how Jesus acted with them is how God interacts with you today. Just then his disciples returned. They were surprised to find him talking with a woman, especially a Samaritan woman, you know. But no one, none of them had the courage to go what do you want? Or why aren't you talking to her? <laughs> kind of like church people. We like to stand there and go, yeah, he has a sex addiction, you know. Uh, she drinks. I don't know if you know it, but I, I think that he sleeps around. Isn't that true sometimes? Then, but this is what the woman does. She's clueless to what they're doing too. She leaves her water jar. She went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? She is getting a little clue. They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Let me encourage you. Don't let the enemy tell you that you have to have it perfect before you give a testimony. Because it ain't going to happen. You will never have a testimony. Straight up. <laughs> when I started coming out of my sex addiction... Chad Everett, who's pastored me for probably, he feels like forever, but it's only like 11 years. Um, <laughs> he goes, you need to start giving your testimony. And I was like, I will in about three or four years when I can say, this is who I used to be and this is who I am. <laughs> and he goes, that's not a testimony. He goes, that's just history. There's no anointing on that. And I was like, oh. Um, but if I tell them like, who I really am? And he's like, it's not a testimony. Give your testimony. If you notice, a lot of people here give testimonies and it's very obvious they still don't have it all figured out. So you don't have to have it all figured out to give your testimony here. She's not totally convinced. She just received a word of knowledge from the Messiah and she's still questioning the validity of it and the words of the person in front of her, but she tells what she knows so far. From the moment you accept Christ, you have a testimony. Yeah. Don't be afraid to give it. Meanwhile, verse 31, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. That would kind of tick me off. If I'm the disciple and I just went through the heat in the noon, get you something to eat, and I come back, and you tell me, you have food I know not of? Why the heaven did I have to go to town to get you something to eat? I want to know. 
if you were gonna turn that bread into many loaves things, you could have done that and saved us a trip. But his disciples said, could someone have brought him food? This, this is what Jesus says. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. <clears throat> Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And I'm gonna let you look that one up and ask Holy Spirit what it means. Let me tell you what I want you to do for your foundation that you're building for transformation. Develop, develop an appetite for discipleship. Discipleship is a very popular term in the church world. It is very rarely done by anyone. You know why? Because it's hard work and it's annoying. <laughs> and annoying is such a nice word for how discipleship truly makes me feel. <laughs> I have no moments where I would want to ask, sometimes a, a group of people, could y'all all just stand in a line like, with all your heads like that, because I just want to use one bullet, because I know Jesus will forgive me when I'm done, and y'all will all go to heaven. And I don't keep having to deal with your mess. That's the thing that Chad Everett always irritated the life out of me about, because I am not easy to disciple, as you might have figured out. If that's news to you, you don't have a lot of discernment, ask Holy Spirit for some. But Chad always has the right response, like these even voice tones, and you know that's not who you are, Eric. Your behavior is not who you are. I'm like, I'm gonna choke you. <laughs> Develop an appetite for discipleship. I have a question, what feeds you? What feeds your soul, what feeds your spirit? Jesus was talking to his own disciples who still had no appetite for what fed Jesus. So when you start discipling someone, do not be surprised when they don't care about Jesus that much. You know, they've got their Jesus card or their Jesus badge. I'm a Christian. But then you start talking to them about what developing intimacy looks like, and they're like, hey, 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 I was just here for the glory party. <laughs> this Christian gym thing is, I, I don't do that. I'm a Christian foodie. I want like, yeah, as foodies are, give me that prophetic word. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna be rich, because I got a word. Let me tell you something. You don't do what it takes, to make that word come true, you got your part, you ain't gonna get that word. That's worth gold right there. Anyway, if you feel clueless sometimes even as a disciple, be encouraged, keep hanging out with Jesus and his people. We sit here tonight in one of three places. You're either a disciple, 
You're a discipler or you're both. And if you're not both, then I want to encourage you to go there. I have people who I disciple. And that means I love them ferociously. <laughs> ferociously is the key word there sometimes. Because <laughs> if you're my son or daughter, if you're not, I'm cool with you. You can do whatever. But if you're my son or daughter, oh, no. No, 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 no. No, my daughters don't dress like that. That kind of stuff. I am a discipler and a disciple. I wanted to just tell you briefly, Eric Knopf probably disciples me. He and Chad Everett disciple me more than anyone else. Eric Knopf is, I don't know, 26 years younger than me. I actually had somebody at a Bible study I led one time tell me, I'm kind of disappointed in you. I was like, really, why? She goes, I would think that somebody who's served Jesus as long as you would have less issues. And I was like, I know, I'm kind of disappointed in myself, but I'm just doing the best I can. (laughs) Um, And a bunch of you, you need to look at the fruit of somebody's life. Because you can be 35 years old, if somebody 23 years old, like Jesse Snow, who lives in Brazil, and does all these crazy things for God, he sends me money to fund my ministry here and he's got no money. I'm like, Jesse, what are you doing? He goes, I don't need any money. I have a place to live and God's paid for all my food. So here, here's the money I got. I'm like, you're crazy. But I'm, I follow his life on Facebook. We have a personal relationship, but I follow his life because it makes me feel strong in faith. Eric Knopf has changed my life forever because he has taught me a different way to look at religious organizations. And he's also taught me who I am. And by that, I mean, he's helped me realize what I'm good at. And he points out stuff like, let's face it, I do stuff that's not cool. He gives me that information too. It's awesome. Dr. Tarr, I think he's 70 something. I don't know, but he feels like 60 when I'm with him. And when he talks, I just shut up and listen. He'll talk about like a lot of stuff that I don't know anything about. He's way more brilliant than I'll ever be. But I love listening to him because it changes me. He's 25 years older than me. 25? Eh, not quite. I love that. Uh, Russell Breton is discipling me because he knows how to do things to build uh, a ministry in the media arena that actually can give access in lots of places using media that I don't know anything about. So like a year and a half ago, I kind of took his hand and helped him get to a level of wholeness. About three months ago, he took my hand and started walking me towards my destiny. The thing that you have to realize is discipleship is not about who's on top. Discipleship is just about, I'm whole in this area, and so let me give you what I have. 
And here's a guy who's, I don't even know how much younger than me he is, but it's a lot. And he, he takes me by the hand and literally walks me through it. It's not as hard as some of it. Like I did a video blog. I've done two of them. And I was going, wow, I wonder what this will be like. I, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. But he helped me get rid of a bunch of the fear. You got to do the same thing, you guys. Look around you. What are you afraid of? What are you not good at? What do you need help in? Love truth. Admit to yourself what it is and then go find the expert in that area. I don't care about age. Nicole Romeo, she's helping me in something I'm horrible at, which is thoroughness in writing. I'm, I've been trying to do a 501c for a year and a half. It's not going anywhere. She's helping. She also knows a little bit about deliverance, <laughs> like a whole lot. She's been helping me there too. Brian Orm, they have all kinds of miracles. The miracle started when they started loving the homeless. Rick Cole, he's all about city transformation. Our ministry styles are as different as night and day. But we have the same goal, and I watch him. Because he's on a, a, a platform, I'm like, way down here, he's way up there. Awesome. I'm picking everything I can learn. Chad Everett, I already told you about him. Elizabeth Reisinger. She's traveling now all over the world, just doing what she was doing when she was here. She was a forerunner here. The stuff she does, she used to get made fun of so much. She got talked about so much. And she was always more about what is God trying to do than what anybody was saying. I watch her now and I'm like, any of you, whatever dream God has, Nelda was talking about, what is your dream? All you got to do is just show up. Just show up because God will start doing this. He'll take this off of you. He'll take this off of you. Here's a piece of revelation here. Here's another piece of revelation. Kyle Gaddison. I've known him for some time. I've watched him grow so much. And he's the guy who's impacted our worship at such an amazing level. Verse 38, 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. Your testimony is powerful. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now, we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Let me encourage you, choose to be transformed. If you're, it doesn't matter where you go to church. It matters. But you can choose transformation any day of your life. So let me read them to you one more time. Believe that God wants to be intimate with you. Listen for revelation. Love truth. Share what God's doing in your life as it happens. Develop an appetite for discipleship and choose to be transformed. And when you're standing working on your foundation for transformation 
and it feels like you have shackles around your wrist, you swing that chain like that and use it like a weapon. And you just keep working on your foundation because if you will not quit, you'll have a foundation that nothing can shake. I promise you.